It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 760 of Locked On Raptors for Sunday, August the 9th. It's an early Sunday edition of the podcast in place of a Monday episode with a back-to-back Sunday-Monday. So apologies for the weird schedule there. I am, of course, your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we've got team-focused shows covering all of the teams that you love and all the big four sports as sports continue to move on here. Baseball's not canceled yet. We've got the MLB shows going strong. The NHL, of course, has all of your playoff action covered there, and, of course, all the NBA shows covering the bubble in depth. Uh, And even for those who are part of the Delete Eight, still going strong covering those teams uh, as they don't play basketball either doing the Lord's work. Anyway, let's get to today's show. On today's episode, we are talking about the Toronto Raptors clinching a fifth straight 50-win season, tying up the two-seed in the Eastern Conference, and coming away with a 108-99 win over the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday afternoon. And joining me, making his return to the podcast after a bit of a layoff, is our pal Sahal Abdi from Raptors Republic. How's it going, man? Good, man. It's good to finally be back on. I mean, um, the last few times I've got some request from Sean so it's not like Sean's not not bringing me on guys he's asking me to come on no I'm, I'm kidding it's good to be on uh, I've missed the podcast I'm always listening to it you Vivek always do a great job Katie whenever she's here um, so it's good I'm, I'm, I'm fine I'm great I'm uh, so glad to have you back, man. And uh, it's a fun game to talk about. The Raptors are 50-game winners again for the fifth time in a row, which is crazy. Uh, Could you ever have imagined this being the case like 10 years ago, that the Raptors would just make 50 wins uh, nothing, even in a season that's being shortened by 10 games? No, absolutely not. I mean, the Raptors fans, when you really take a step out of being a Raptors fan um, or even just covering the team – We've been really spoiled. I mean, the Raptors, five straight seasons, 50 wins. They won a championship last season. 
on a great run. Um, even before they won a championship, they had some pretty good playoff runs. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously they ran into uh, he who must not be named, you know, the King LeBron James a few times, but um, definitely a spoiled, a spoiled fan base. But I do not think this fan base takes it uh, for granted. I think that's for sure. No, that's for sure. I think that is proven that anytime the Raptors play poorly, uh, people lose their minds and their brains melt as though the entire dynasty uh, is coming to an end, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess one way to approach things and a, a fair way to approach things if you're a live and die by every single game person. I can't say that I thought the Raptors in this game were a live and die by every game kind of team. They started off pretty poorly, bad uh, shooting first quarter as the Grizzlies were insanely hot from three. Things progressed throughout the game, of course, and uh, you know they, they, they find a way to win by nine. The fourth quarter, things got a little bit hairy as the Grizzlies, uh, who are very much in the race for the playoffs right now and assured nothing when it comes to even making it into the play-in tournaments at this point, um, you know they kind of ratcheted up late. They think that they went on a 19-4 run to get back within four points of the Raptors late after the Raptors led by, I think, as many as 18 at some point in the fourth quarter. And uh, yeah, it, it was you know not the, the cleanest finish, but Pascal Siakam hits a couple of big threes. The Raptors close it out uh, and try, decide to try for the final three minutes, and they pull this one out. So, Hall, my question to you as we often start these Game Recap podcasts is, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 50th win of the 2019-20 season? I mean, this was kind of a strange game in the sense that um, it kind of reminded you of the Boston game early where the Raptors were getting open shots. Mm-hmm. They just weren't falling. Um, so that kind of PTSD kind of kicked in really quickly. And then you had a Marcus all wide open three, a Lowry open three, Siakam open three, all missed, but all were good shots. I mean, the Raptors were running their sets really well. Um, the Raptors, they kind of made it a focal point to disrupt uh, Valanciunas early. Um, Marcus all is just... I mean, when is this guy going to get his credit? I mean, he is <laughs> honestly one of the best elite, whatever adjective you want to use, defending bigs, um, I think of this era. Um, mm. JV, I don't know if he ended with zero points, was it? Did yeah, was- yeah. Zero points for JV. Points. Him and Danny Green, both working as sleeper cells <laughs> and uh, <laughs> helping their old boys out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and then you look at a guy like Norm Powell, who was an energy plug for Toronto, played really well with the starters, uh, transition opportunity just opened up their offense a lot more. Um, Toronto was just looked so crisp offensively mm-hmm. as the game progressed, just running their sets, a lot of hammer actions, um, things that I was tweeting mid game, but um, also give credit to Memphis. They're a very entertaining team to watch a really young core uh, made a late comeback. Like you said, Siakam hit a couple clutch threes at the end. Um, this was a very entertaining game. Um, a good bounce back for Toronto out coming off of that Boston game. Yeah, this was a super fun game. The first half in particular was it had like extreme like ping pong energy. It was just yeah. really fast paced. And I thought the Grizzlies were kind of, I think, smart in attacking really quickly and getting shots up as soon as they could because, you know, the longer you kind of draw out a possession against the Raptors, you, the more you kind of fall into their sort of boa constrictor grip with all the rotations and all the different things and decisions they make you sort of have to do over the course of 24 seconds. And if you can just, ad- ad- you know, attack things quickly against maybe a matchup you feel like you have an advantage against or whatever it is, that kind of seems like the route to go to me. And the yeah. Grizzlies did a good job of that early on. Of course, the Raptors offense picked up as the game went on as well. Uh, we saw 
Pascal Siakam kind of bust out of his mini slump here to start the bubble. 26 points, 9 of 16 shooting, 4 of 9 from downtown. And he, you know, he hit those two big shots late. He was excellent. You had Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet all hitting shots late as well. Uh, sorry, Lowry. Fred didn't really hit shots late. He kind of hit shots throughout the rest of the entire game and had a yeah. huge steal late in the game in crunch huge. time. That was sort of his big contribution. And then for me, my biggest takeaway was the guys coming off the bench, especially Serge Ibaka and Norman Powell, who I had been a little bit you know, uneasy about, and they hadn't looked very good so far in the bubble. And really, if you're talking about things that matter from these games, I mean, the Raptors are going to lock up the two-seed at some point here. They weren't going to lose the remainder of their games, and the Celtics weren't going to win out. And so I wasn't too worried about the seeding or anything like that. Really, the only thing I had any concern about was Abaka and Powell kind of getting back to looking right. And they very much did that in this game. Abaka with a 12 and 12 double double, five of nine, hit a couple threes. Powell looked a lot more, you know, sort of comfortable finishing around the basket. He had 16 points, four assists as well. Um, did you have any thoughts on the games from Abaka and Powell in this one? Yeah, I mean, the Raptors needed these, this type of game from both guys. Um, I think one more guy that I would like to mention um, is Terrence Davis, who didn't really have a bounce back game himself, but you could tell he's still getting into the motion, getting into the rhythm. Um, a guy like Matt Thomas came in and was just a spark plug offensively. I think he was in the game for three or four minutes and they ran three consecutive plays for him or three out of the four plays they ran were for Matt Thomas. And mm -hmm. he hits, he hits a couple big threes, um, extends the lead for Toronto. Um, but Norman and Baca are um, two guys for the Raptors where when you can get those guys engaged and you don't have to rely on a Kyle Lowry or a Pascal Siakam, um, or even a Fred Van Fleet to just hold the offensive load. I think that just makes Toronto so much more of a threat offensively. Mm -hmm. um, Serge, when he's hitting that mid-range shot, um, when he's engaged defensively. I mean, we can give Marc Gasol a lot of credit for holding down Jonas Valanciunas, but I think for Memphis, they started to realize, okay, let's try and get Jonas in here when Mark's not in the game. And Serge mm -hmm. Ibaka was holding down the fort really, really well. And then Norman was just... Um, arguably other than Siakam, the best player on the court today, um, just constantly um, extending the lead for Toronto um, and just giving Memphis problems all over the court. Um, and I, I, one thing with Norm Powell I want to mention is um, it really makes you think of one of the best qualities that Toronto really possesses as a team, which is just finding the open man, but not just finding the open man. I think with Memphis, they found themselves imbalanced defensively. They were scrambling a lot um, on Toronto sets. But even when they were playing that help defense perfectly, you know, against Toronto, I think the thing with Norm Powell is Grayson Allen on this one play in the deep pocket. He catches the ball, Norman Powell, he pump fakes. Grayson Allen kind of jumps and Norman Powell drives, keeps the defense off balance. And those are the little things you need from Norm Powell um, just to attack the floor, even when it seems like Memphis is getting it right on their help defense sets. Um, I think Norm did a great job of just keeping Memphis off balance. And I think that led to a Fred Van Vliet three. So Norm has just become so much more of a smart player offensively. Um, just works really, really well in Nick Nurse's system. Um, give credit to Norm for how he played today. Absolutely. It was really good to see him figure out his stuff a little bit. I mean, he looked good in the first couple of scrimmages, and then it's just not been terribly smooth for him to date, but nice to see him get it back on track. And if him and Ibaka are back on track, you have that seven-man rotation down when things really matter and you're not really worried about anyone in that group. 
The eighth man is more of a question, and you mentioned Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis. We're going to talk about that and sort of how the eighth man situation is playing itself out here in the bubble and how the rotation might be affected. But first, I want to tell you about CBDMD. Look, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day sometimes. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Free with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints and a convenient easy to use roller or shareable squeeze tube cbd recover combines cbd with inflammation fighting compounds like arnica and vitamin b6 to give you support where you need it most and to make it even easier to try out this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off of your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we're going to get into the eighth man talk now. But first, a reminder that you can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Raptors. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. And you can get in touch with the show at LockedOnRaptors at gmail.com as well. All right, Sahal, let's dive into the eighth man watch. This has been one of the storylines so far of the bubble for the Raptors as the seven guys we talked about off the top seem to be pretty solid now that Serge and Norm have gotten a couple of good games under their belt, at least one good game under their belts each. Um, and then you've got that eighth spot, which seems a little bit more uncertain. Terrence Davis has not seemed to be in Nick Nurse's good books, whether that's for on-court reasons or off-court reasons, we're not quite sure, but he's not getting a ton of run. Uh, Rondé hollis Jefferson's looked a little bit wonky, as he is wont to do. Doesn't seem to be getting a ton of run either. Chris Boucher has only gotten spot minutes here and there. Uh, was inactive a couple games ago. Doesn't seem to be in Nick Nurse's good books either. Matt Thomas is the fourth guy in that conversation with Patrick McCaw out of the lineup. And he came into the game, hit a couple threes, uh, kind of got the offense kickstarted a little bit in the start of that second quarter as the Raptors have missed a bazillion threes and he was able to come in and knock him down as he tends to do. I'm wondering, Sahal, did Matt Thomas do anything today to sort of change how you view that eight spot in the rotation? Or, or, or do you have something, some other thoughts on that? What do you think right now is the status of that eight spot in the Raptors rotation? Doesn't even matter. Are the seven guys that we've talked about going to be the guys who play in big minutes anyway? Well, I think, I mean, since the bubble experiment started for Toronto, uh, Terrence Davis was almost given the eighth man role and deservedly so. Um, I mean, pre, you know, lockdown or COVID, whatever you want to call it, uh, Terrence Davis was playing very well. I mean, he was on most people's all-rookie team. He wasn't playing like a rookie. He was playing like a seasoned veteran. And uh, 
Nick Nurse almost gave him this role. Um, and he hasn't really done much of it with it, I should say, um, four games in. And this was kind of Matt Thomas's time to shine. I mean, Nick Nurse wants to see what he can provide. Um, we all know Matt Thomas is uh, not just one of the best shooters on the Toronto Raptors, if not the best. He's arguably one of the best standstill shooters in the league. And he proved that again today. Um, like I said earlier, he ran, they ran three or four sets for him in a span of three or four minutes. And he made the most of it. And I think with Terrence Davis, you know what he gives you. He gives you a guy who's a pretty good shooter. But is Terrence Davis kind of a, more of a streaky player than we thought? Is he, um, does he kind of reminds me of Norman Powell. I mean, the last couple mm. of years with Norm having, um, you know, a stretch of bad games or a stretch of games where he was struggling and then a stretch of games where he goes supernova. So I think with Matt Thomas, you can't really make a decision yet. McNurse, he still has, I believe, three or four games remaining um, before the playoffs begin. Um, but I think Matt Thomas definitely deserved another chance to prove why uh, he deserves that eighth-man role for Toronto. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean, I think, McNurse should just phase out Terrence Davis completely um, out of the rotation. I think you still give him a chance to kind of prove himself. Um, but hey, Matt Thomas is, is making his mark, and you can't really blame him for that. He's been waiting for this opportunity for quite some time. Yeah, I think where I come down on it is that I don't really care who the eighth man is at this point, and I kind of don't know if Nick Nurse does either. Without his boo, Patrick McCaw, available, I kind of just think we might see him do the Dan Tony thing and just play with seven guys. He seems to have that rotation kind of figured out, even with just those seven guys. You know, obviously you have to sort of, you know, finagle the minutes a little bit because we have seen minutes for Rondé and Terrence Davis, you know, at least in the first half of these games quite a bit. But, you know, he seems to have the whole bring Kyle and Gasol out, put in uh, Norm and Abaka with Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and OG to kind of close out the quarter in the first and the third. And I think he's kind of managed the rotation pretty well there. And I, I do kind of feel like he's preparing himself almost to only have seven guys that he trusts in playoff games. And, and I kind of, I think I'm more in on it than I typically would be. I, usually I'd be sort of like eighth, an eighth guy is important because you just don't want to overexert anybody. But I kind of think that with no travel and with, you know, the, the rest of this sort of bubble now not meaning a whole lot for the Raptors. You can kind of rest up a little bit and, and gear up towards the playoffs. And I, I just, I don't know if we're really going to see more than seven guys in games that aren't against like the Nets in the first round. Like I think that second round and beyond, it might just be a seven man rotation. And then if injuries befall you, you just kind of figure it out from there. But you know, if you just want to go with the idea of, all right, you just want seven guys out there who you trust, seven guys who are all very good players, who don't really have liabilities, that might just be the way to go. Because I'm not sure you can bring in an eighth right now, considering how Terrence Davis is playing, just sort of erratically, and his offense maybe not clicking right now, his defense still being a little bit jumpy and a little bit overzealous, and Matt Thomas not being a good defender, and Chris Boucher and Ronda Hell Jefferson kind of being nothings on offense. Like, with that being the case, if you want to just maintain the integrity of a very good rotation, those seven guys are kind of the way to do it. And I think there's a way to balance the minutes out. And I, I'm okay seeing all of those guys play you know, a pretty hefty minutes load, whether it's, you know, Abaka and Gasol splitting it and going 24 each, or, you know, ideally probably Gasol being up near 30 and, and Abaka closer to 18. Um, and then you just kind of sprinkle in Norm to spell the, the guards. I don't know. I, I feel like it's doable considering the versatility of these guys and the different ways in which you can sort of lay up those seven guys together. 
And I'm kind of coming around on the idea that with, with no travel and the lack of sort of day-to-day grind of just being on planes and flying all over the place, I, I'm kind of on board with just going seven guys and seeing what happens. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seven guys is uh, kind of the optimal number for Toronto. Um, like you said, Ibaka and Powell are guys you can trust off the bench almost every single game, um, even though... You know, despite Ibaka, you know, not playing so well um, in the bubble so far. I mean, up up until this game, uh, at least. But um, that eighth man, uh, we'll see what Nick Nurse does. I mean, um, early on, I guess, with their first round matchup, which is almost a given for Toronto to win, uh, whether it be Brooklyn or Orlando, whoever it is, um, we may see Nick Nurse kind of extend the rotation a little more. You might see an eighth and maybe even a ninth guy uh, because Toronto will be able to afford that. But once you start getting to the second round and then – eventually uh, hypothetically i should say uh, eastern conference finals or even the finals i mean you probably want to just limit it to the seven guys getting the massive i'd say bulk of the minutes mm-hmm. um, maybe you sprinkle in terrence davis or matt thomas um for five or six minutes here or there um just to get a little rest for kyle lowry or fred um but i think like you said seven is the optimal number for toronto i think when it really matters they're going to stick to that seven Yep, I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. We are going to continue with our thoughts on the Raptors' win over the Grizzlies in just a second. We're going to dive into uh, you know, the play of a couple other guys who we haven't quite touched on just yet, as well as maybe take a look at what the playoff matchup is going to look like to seven in just a sec. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com, who, for a car dum-dum like me, uh, are going to save me a lot of money. Like Just knowing that they exist is a really nice thing because I often go to the mechanic and say, hey, I, there's something wrong with my car. Can you fix it? And they say, yes, it costs this much money, and I pay it without even thinking not even realizing that the parts they're charging me for are like double the price than they are at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle vehicle and choose the brand specifications and most importantly the prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend tw- up to twice as much for the exact same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so Hall, let's uh, close things up with a few thoughts 
lingering from this game, some news and notes as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I just had a couple of sort of thoughts on a couple guys in particular on defense. I thought OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet in this game were just absurd defensively. And maybe that's not even a surprise. Maybe that just should just be expected at this point. Um, Fred had four steals. He seemed like he had more. He felt like he was ripping it out of dude's hands every single time. Someone dribbled near him, which is kind of a new wrinkle for Fred and uh, one that I frankly enjoy. And then OG Ananobi, He's just gotten so good at knowing where passes are going. He's so good at picking out passes to the corner and just for some reason he catches the ball and you're just kind of sitting there like, why did the team throw that pass? Because OG was clearly going to pick that off. It just seems so obvious and telegraphed when he does it, but that obviously is on OG for reading it so damn well. And he just, he looks incredible out there. He blocked a three in the corner as well. Like those two guys, I just thought were worthy of some mention from this game because their defense was off the charts. Um, what, what were your what were your thoughts in particular on Fred Van Vliet just uh, ripping the ball from everybody's hands like they were little children babies? I think with Fred and then with OG, you look at these two guys and they're complete defenders. And when I say that, you look at um, just their one on their ability to defend one on one, their ability to. Um, read screens, go under, go over, depending on the player, um, hedge. Um, Fred, uh, Toronto, as people know, they switch a lot. Um, and they're okay with switching. And they're okay with Fred being on a guy who's 6'11 for a few seconds because they understand that Fred's defensive positioning is elite. Um, you often see Fred do Kyle Lowry type things where um, teams will try and take advantage because they'll see Fred on a big and Fred's defensive positioning will allow him to be, you know, in the perfect spot to kind of deflect a pass or pick off a pass. Um, I saw at one time uh, this game where Fred was almost underneath the net and they tried an entry pass from the closer pocket uh, towards the camera and Fred just read it and he just stood in front of the, uh, the big and I think I believe it was Anthony Tolliver who was trying to back him down and deflected it. And I mean, we see that every game from Fred Van Fleet. And then OG Ananobi, it's a, he's a guy that, my goodness, this guy can guard one through five. Um, he offers Nick Nurse so much defensive versatility, so many options. I mean, you could throw OG on anybody. You could throw him on John Morant for a possession. You could throw him on Dylan Brooks. You can throw him on Anthony Tolliver. Um, you could probably even have him on JV, um, you know, for a couple possessions. OG offers you so much defensively and just having those two guys especially when they're on the court at the same time I mean Nick Nurse has options and we always talk about the offensive options this team has but defensively my goodness this is a team that a lot of other NBA teams can learn from just watching their uh, watching their tape Absolutely. Uh, nightmare fuel <laughs> is, is yeah. this Raptors defense, man. Um, you know, there, there were just so many possessions today, too, when things did slow down in the second half. I mean, they held Memphis to 17 third quarter points, and that was kind of the peak of their, you know, swarming, rotating, just length everywhere style of defense, where there's always somebody stepping in on the rotation when it's necessary. And Fred and OG just, I mean, those two becoming what they have this year, like, we already knew that Gasol was Gasol. We knew what Lowry was. We, we knew Fred was a very good defender. I, I think he has even stepped it up this season to a degree that, you know, you could argue he's even better than Lowry, which is not easy to do. Like, it's absurd. But we've seen, particularly in the bubble, I know the 36-point game kind of stands out as being 
the big sexy Fred Van Vliet thing from the first four games here, first five games, I guess now in the bubble. But like the things that have really popped to me have been, you know, him guarding bigger guys when they try to post up him forcing Kyle Kuzma to pick up his dribble at half court because he's too much in his grill and he's too afraid. Uh, And then the steals today, I mean, the clutch, you know, crunch time steals, um, that in the heat game too I mean he's just been everywhere and it's been an absolute delight to watch and continues to just kind of build up the myth of this Raptors defense going into the postseason speaking of which by the time this podcast airs you we already may know who the Raptors are playing in the first round of the playoffs uh, the Clippers and the Nets play a little bit later tonight and the Magic take on the Boston Celtics, I believe, tip off like just while we're recording right here at 6 p.m. Uh, or wait, I'm in Eastern time now. Uh, <laughs> it's 5 p.m. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Atlantic yeah. time. But yeah, so they, they tip off in about an hour or so. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this all plays out in terms of the 2-7 matchup. You know, neither is going to be terribly interesting. I have extreme rooting interest in, in favor of the Nets right now because I never want to watch the Magic ever again. Uh, and so I'm really hoping for the weird novelty of Jamal Crawford up against the Raptors in a 2-7. Uh, do you have any preference, Sahal, as to how this plays out? Right now, the Magic trail Brooklyn by a game and a half. They do play a game against each other in the second last game. I'm not sure if that'll matter if the Nets win today and the Magic lose, but... Uh, what are your overall uh, sort of feelings, thoughts, leanings when it comes to that 2-7 matchup for the Raptors? Any preference? Oh, my gosh. Uh, personal preference, I do not want to watch the Orlando Magic in a series again. <laughs> I just cannot do that. But um, just generally looking at it from um, a basketball point of view, I mean, who wouldn't want to face the Brooklyn Nets? No Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving a bunch of guys injured left, right, and center. I mean, that for Toronto, if that's not a sweep, a 4-0 sweep, I don't know what is. Um, You could also argue that Toronto would sweep um, the Orlando Magic as well. But, I mean, they're both very, very, very good matchups for Toronto in the first round. Mm -hmm. And a part of me is kind of afraid that Toronto might not get um, competition, I would say, that they would need for them um, to in the second round when they're facing, let's say, a Miami um, or even a Boston, whoever it ends up being. Um, but I think Toronto is miles ahead of Orlando and the Brooklyn Nets at the, at the point that they're at right now. Um, I don't really have a preference uh, as to say who Toronto would play to have an easier time. I mean, Toronto, I think, is would destroy either one of those teams. But a personal preference, I just do not want to watch Orlando again. And I'll watch a hurt Brooklyn Nets team rather than watch um, – you know, Markel Fultz um, just get absolutely demolished by Fred Van Vliet <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, Orlando doesn't even have Jonathan Isaac either. So, I mean, that's another thing they're missing. So, um, give me the Brooklyn Nets. Give me the Brooklyn Nets. I cannot watch Orlando again. Man, remember the days where the Raptors would be a two or three seed and we'd be worried about, like, who they were going to get in the first round? Like, oh, should it be the Wizards? Should it be somebody else? I yeah. we were, like, man, it's so nice not to care and have, like, just sort of dumb rooting interests. And my dumb rooting interest is I want to say fuck Brooklyn again. Uh, so uh, go Nets. I, I, I'm earnestly rooting for them to get that seven seed because yeah, as much awesome. as I love Terrence Ross, he cannot save the boring husk that is the Orlando Magic without Jonathan Isaac and perhaps without Aaron Gordon as well after uh, maybe Kyle Lowry might have injured him uh, kind of uh, egregiously uh, in that game on Wednesday. But we don't need to linger too far on that. 
Um, last note here, Sahal, uh, over the last couple of days, the award nominations came out. The big one for the Raptors is that Nick Nurse is a finalist for Coach of the Year. He, of course, did not win the Coaches Voting uh, Coach of the Year award that everyone got very upset about, which who cares? That one's always kind of wrong anyway because the coaches, you know, they have their own leanings. And I feel as though, you know, the fact that, a lot of teams have started like doing Raptors things on defense this year after what happened in the playoffs last year and what the Raptors have done successfully this year. Uh, That kind of, to me, says the Nick Nurse is coach of the year among the coaches anyway, so the voting is kind of irrelevant there. Um, In terms of the actual uh, NBA awarded one, it is uh, Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, and Billy Donovan up for the award. I'm pretty sure Nick Nurse is going to win this. Uh, you could have argued a couple other guys maybe get in there. Nate McMillan, I think, is always kind of not thought about for this award, even though he's always very, very high on my list. Uh, and then Taylor Jenkins, I think, probably should have been in there. But at the same time, he did play Anthony Tolliver against the Raptors in uh, a very clo- <laughs> important closing time today. So maybe that uh, validates him not being in the final three. I'm not sure. Sahal, any thoughts on the coach of the year? Do you think this is Nick Nurse's to lose pretty easily? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it is Nick Nurse's to lose, but also I don't want to say that to take credit away from any other coaches, especially guys like, you know, uh, Billy Donovan, Mike Budenholzer, some of the guys you mentioned, Nate McMillan, who I think Nate really, really deserved a lot more consideration. Uh, every year, every year he does. Year. Yeah, really, he he is uh, a very good basketball coach that no one ever really talks about. I'm not sure why, um, but Billy Donovan's doing a fantastic job with OKC, um, he was almost given a brand new roster. Uh, Gallinari, Chris Paul. Um, I don't know if he changed the system. I don't watch Oklahoma City enough, but he's been doing a fantastic job with them. And then obviously Boonholzer with the Bucks having the best record in the NBA um, deserves consideration. But Especially what- since it's a regular season award. That's <laughs> exactly. Mike, regular season Boonholzer. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I mean, that's quite literally his nickname on his passport, his middle name, which is on his passport. But um, Nick Nurse, this is definitely his to lose. I mean, with what he's done with the injuries this season, um, you you take away a, a arguable top three to five maybe player in the world and Kawhi Leonard from him. Um, he has to deal with, you know, adding a couple more guys into the rotation. And he did it seamlessly with guys like Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, um, even Rondé Hollis Jefferson has had his bright moments this season. Um, but I saw a quote from Nick Nurse that really um, interested me um, where he said, you know, whoever does win this coach of the year award, this is more of a team award than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that just speaks to the humility Nick Nurse has and um, his understanding that the players deserve a lot of credit as well for um, playing well in a system. But um at the end of the day, this is Nick Nurse's system. This is his team, and he's been here day in and day out coaching this team. And um, as a Raptors fan, like I said earlier in the podcast, um, you have to really uh, thank whatever higher being you believe in. Or if you don't believe in a higher being, you just got to thank somebody because uh, Nick Nurse has just given Toronto um, a great, great opportunity to do something great. Mm-hmm. To do something yeah. great. He's a very, very good coach. And I, you know, I think in addition to just the team kind of overshooting expectations and um, just winning a ton of games, I think the fact that he kind of has changed the coaching 
sort of landscaped a little bit. Like maybe this is a little bit of hyperperbole because we are Raptors people and I'm, you know, talking about Nick Nurse every day. But like he does feel as though someone who is kind of changing, A, the kind of mold for what a coach is going to be going forward. And I think the value of head coaching experience, he's kind of spoken to. Like, yeah, you can be a great assistant, but like if you can't manage personalities and don't have experience in managing personalities as a head coach, regardless of the level, like that's a significant sort of blind spot in your coaching sort of repertoire. And I also think the fact that we've seen like 50% more zone in the NBA this season directly after the Raptors won the championship using a bunch of weird zones and they've used a ton of it again this year. Like that is, that speaks to like a a wider influence than just, oh, that guy won a bunch of games and is very impressive. Like there's like a kind of bigger coach of the year argument for Nurse than there are for a lot of guys. And so I'm with you. I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to win it pretty handily considering most of the media who have sort of talked about their ballots and things like that on their podcasts or in their columns have all pointed to Nick Nurse as being head coach or coach of the year. So I don't think uh, Raptors fans should be worried at all. There will not be any uh, need to jump to the aid of Nick Nurse like the cavalry riding in uh, to protect him after losing coach of the year. I'm pretty sure he's going to win it. And we will find that out quite soon. So, Hall, this was lovely, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Missed having you on. Glad we could get you on again. We'll have to get you back soon. Uh, at least the very, I mean, at, at the very least, you'll be on after the season is over as you, Vivek, and I go through our over-under picks from last year, which are going to be a weird uh, mishmash of two kind of combined seasons. I don't know. It's going to be strange. Um, but thanks for coming on. Where can people find your work, man? Yeah, I'm on Raptors Republic. I'm going to have a few more game recaps and previews coming out this week uh, for some of the bubble games. Uh, hopefully a couple features I'm going to be releasing as well the week after. So you guys can find me on Raptors Republic um, and also on Twitter at SABD28. Um, give me a chance on Twitter. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> wild on that app, but I think you'll like me. If you like, uh, yeah, if you like good tweets, you know, like Sahal on, on Twitter. It's, just, it's pretty simple uh, <laughs> to boil it down to that. Um, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to talk to you again on Tuesday morning with a recap of the Milwaukee Bucks game, a game that now means nothing. So if the Bucks beat the piss out of the Raptors, we can just say, oh, the Raptors have clinched it. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters here. It's all good. And if the Raptors win, we can say, wow, look how much they take this seriously and look at what cowards and frauds the Milwaukee Bucks are. I That's the way it works here baby uh that'll be tuesday's podcast and then uh as i mentioned i'm an atlantic time now i'm just kind of like hanging out in uh on the east coast for the next three weeks after driving out here yesterday and so uh i'm gonna be kind of a little bit more sporadic with my posting but that's okay because katie and vivek are gonna jump in with a bunch of episodes in my stead and that will i believe begin on wednesday this week as Katie and Vivek will jump in with an episode. One of the two, maybe both. Who knows? It's all a fun surprise. So stick around for that coming up later. And uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write. 
so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.